Welcome to Game On, the weekly football podcast bringing together seasoned professionals, the male star football writers and a celebrity fan or two. I'm your host, Mark Pugach. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Game On on video. Hello, I'm Mark Pugach and welcome to Game On. After an incredible season so far, who knows what the festive period will throw up for us. And joining us to discuss all that, three wise men, the former Arsenal and England defender Martin Keown, Alan McAnally, who played for Celtic, Bayern Munich, Scotland and Aston Villa, and Tony Cotty, the former England, West Ham and Everton striker. Hello, everybody, and happy Eve of Christmas Eve in these strange days. And talking of strange days, Martin Keown, with all the success you had at Arsenal, it's falling around Arteta's ears, particularly again after last night's drubbing in the League Cup quarterfinal. Is, is, it, is it possible that Arteta is the right man for Arsenal at exactly the wrong time? Well, when he first arrived, if you think the first six months, I don't think he put a foot wrong. The way that they changed the way that they were playing, pressing high, high standard of performance, winning the FA Cup, Community Shield. And then in the summer, I think the message changed. And I think we saw that in Williams' performance. If I was a player in the dressing room and watching what he was getting away with, because he wasn't putting the performance in, I think others have sort of looked at that and the levels dropped. They've had a few uh, games which were disappointing, to say the least. I think the Villa game uh, completely outplayed. Then we're looking at the home games against Leicester, Wolves, and what were disappointing performances now turned into a crisis. This, the manager's decisions as well, Mark, have to be questioned. Uh, Renarsson last night is a, a young player that really shouldn't have been put into that position. Uh, and I wasn't really that surprised by the performance. I think, you know, you could argue that three of the goals were, were perhaps down to the goalkeeper. Now, that decision, the manager's exposed him. But then the recruitment, Martinez playing at Aston Villa, great signing for Villa, but he should be Arsenal's number two or challenging Leno. If Leno gets injured now in the Premier League, it's a real problem for Arsenal. And these are all decisions made by the manager. So it's about keeping it simple. You know, what system are we playing? I think it's too complex for the players. And last night was evident. They looked confused on the pitch. And again, it was the young players, particularly Martinelli, who was the star performer. And it was obvious he needed to go off. He was injured. But the manager made him come back out for the second half. We need to protect him. And I think really the pressure is perhaps getting to Arteta. He's a great coach. And now he has to make the right decisions at the right time. And it's not working for him. But he needs support. And there's a huge game against Chelsea coming up on Boxing Day that he has to get something from. Alan, are we also seeing that when you're an experienced manager and you go through rocky times, you have something to rely on. You have some experience to go back on. In a way, you have an instinct to go back on. He's got none of that because he's never been a manager before. So he has absolutely nothing in his memory bank, in his locker to go, right, when things go badly, this is what we do. He is literally learning as he goes along and we're watching it. Yeah, that, that's probably the biggest uh, finger that's going to be pointed at, Mikel, that he, you know, he can't look back on a two or three year stretch when things weren't maybe going great for him as a manager. I mean, he's obviously played, played, well, he's played and he's obviously been assistant with Pep and I'm not. I'm trying to think the, the amount of times that Pep went through a hard time. There's not many times of it, is there? But um, I agree with Martin to a certain extent that 
he obviously the buck has to fall with Mikel Arteta. Um, and your original question was uh, right manager, wrong time. I still think he's a right manager at this particular time. But the recruitment at Arsenal has been shocking. End of. I think the recruitment at Arsenal has been absolutely dreadful. And it's all right spending 70 million on Pepe and then getting a 25 million pound striker that only pops up two or three games in, in the trot. And even last night when they got the equaliser, and I don't know whether TC will agree with me here, he does really well like his head, gets the header in, gets them back in the game, and then sits on his backside to wait for somebody to pick him up rather than bouncing off the ground. We're back in the game. Come on. He's celebrating. He's running away. He sat on his backside waiting for somebody to pick him up as though, there you go. I've got you back in the game. I hate that attitude. And that's what I think of Arsenal at the moment. Bad attitudes. Tony, the other thing is you could be a terrific coach but not such a good manager. They are very, very different jobs. Are we seeing a bit of that at the moment? Everyone says what a great coach he is. Pep Guardiola says, don't sack Arteta. It'll be a big mistake. He knows what he's doing. And there's a massive difference, is there not, between a very good coach and a very good man-manager? Yeah, we've seen that with a lot of um, coaches, managers over the years where they've struggled to sort of go from one to the other. Um, you know, the bottom line is it, it comes down to players and, you know, Arteta, he's learned at Man City, you know, if he's trying to put his Man City ideas into Arsenal at the moment, I don't think there's enough quality at Arsenal to do that. And I think that is a problem. So if, if that is the case, you've got to change your tack and you've got to look at other ways to do it. Football nowadays, I mean, it was a little bit in our day about man management. It's even more so now because a lot of the time the players don't sort out the problems themselves. They're sitting in that dressing room waiting for the manager to tell them what to do. So you've got to put your arms around the players and you've got to make them feel better. But I agree with Maka. I don't think there's enough quality in the squad. I think the, the recruitment... Um, listen, I'm not sure about Leno, but if they believe Leno's the best goalkeeper they've got, that's fine. But... They've never, ever, ever, really, in my opinion, replaced the famous back four that Martin was involved in. And you've got to start from the back. It's all right having all these flair players, or Yangs and Urzels and Pepe's and all that. But if you are conceding goals, you're never going to win anything. And I think he needs to go back to basics. He needs to get some proper centre-halves into the football club and then they might have a chance. But it's a difficult job for him. I hope they support him because like, I don't like seeing managers sacked, but... The longer it goes on and the more they get towards the bottom because they're, they're in that bottom six already, they're out the cup now. It, you know, if they have a, an FA Cup defeat or something and they start drifting even more, it's going to be really hard for the club to stand by him. But, but that's what you said, Martin, about, you know, the way he wants to play. Surely he just simplifies it. He's got, I mean, I said the recruitment was bad. Martinelli's really, really good young lad. Unfortunately, he's gone off. The boy Tierney's a good player. Yeah. And out with that, I'm genuinely thinking, who gets in another top six or, or, okay, you know, not Arsenal normally the, the better end of the table. But right now, if he makes things simple, Martin, 4 4 2, then nobody can point the finger at each other and say we didn't know what they're doing. As a football player, we almost grew up 4 4 2 before you even start thinking about other uh, formations. Yeah, but I mean, we, we were both working under Graham Taylor, weren't we, back in the day? And Graham came yeah. in with very clear vision. And, and we talk about leadership. He knew and he formulated the tactics he wanted as a manager. He'd been at Lincoln, he'd been at Watford, been a really good manager. This, it feels like Arteta was almost conducting an experiment at times. And it's very real, Maka. It's not, we're not playing around here. Arsenal are dropping down the table. And the decision now that the board have to make is how long are they going to sit back and watch this young manager? We know he's a great coach, innovation, but what's his clear ideals? Now, I think actually he's, he's sort of this 
footballistic person that wants to play with a 4-3-3 system, as he did at City. And he tried to change to that recently and we started losing games. He's gone back to the five. And I think he's losing respect in the dressing room. I mean, perhaps it's a toxic dressing room. You know, when you've got Ozil, David Luiz and people like that not playing, you know how difficult that is, certainly for a young manager. And I, if he keeps changing the, and making sort of silly decisions, as last night was, with Renarsson playing in goal, and everybody knowing that there's a weakness there, he's making it worse for himself. So I'm saying keep it simple. And the people around him, the assistant manager, support him, talk it through, work it out. Don't bring even more pressure to your doorstep as he did last night. And it's, it's a simple process. But I, I was confused watching Kolasinic last night, for instance, Macker. He's playing in a three. He normally plays left back. And he didn't know which one he was playing last night. He was almost holding his hand up, running around saying, I don't know where to be. We've got, we can't have players doing that. You need to know your role and responsibility. When we played under Graham Taylor, we knew, didn't we? You were running in the channel and I had to find oh, yeah. clear messages Absolutely. to the players and it's not there at the moment. Uh, Marta, let's finish with Arsenal on, on this on this topic. They're not a sacking club. They're really not. I know they got rid of Unai Emery last year, but you look at the last 30 years. What's that? That's two sackings, Emery and, and Bruce Rioch. Do you suspect, Martin, that if it goes wrong against Chelsea, and it might well, then you've got Brighton and West Brom games. If they were to go wrong, they may have no option, Arsenal, but to make a change. Do you feel that? They're not a sacking club. And, and I think there's been so many changes above and around him in terms of recruitment, scouts and everybody else, director of football, that I think they might stick with him. But it's the clamour of the noise. I mean, goodness me, if the fans were in the stadium at the moment, it'd be, it would be murder there. But I'm looking ahead into the distance at the wily old fox of Sam Allardyce, again, three games away, West Bromwich Albion. And I think he'd be licking his lips playing against a young Arteta with a, a, a team with a, not really that physical. Uh, and that worries me. So it's like before then, please find a way to play and keep it simple and start building the performances. They'd probably be better against Chelsea. They played better against the better teams. But then you've got Brighton, who are not to be underestimated. None of these games are easy and then followed by Palace. So they're not going to be sleeping easy at the moment, but it's going back to the basics. Work on the training ground and, and, and admit that he's part of the problem. You know, we've all made mistakes together as a young manager and then try and lead your way through it. But he needs characters in the dressing room. And I'm not sure there's enough of them at the moment. I like the way Martin said, please find a way to get better. I thought that was very politely done. Alan, let's make a, we must mention Brentford. Brand new state. Oh. What a shame that no one can go. First ever League Cup semi-final. I love the way the League Cup, I'm a big fan of the League Cup. It throws up clubs, you know, we can mention 25 mm -hmm. clubs who reach the semi-finals of the League Cup who don't really have any cup success at all. Mm. Real disappointment for Newcastle. But, Alan, what about Brentford? Bearing in mind, of course, they lost the playoff final to Fulham, so they missed their chance to go in the Premier League. Yeah, they've been unbelievable. I mean, I'm going to say it's the I can't remember. I heard somebody say it. I think they, they beat three other Prem teams or something. And I know they made changes. But the biggest thing for me, Mark, last night was um, they said, I think he made five or six changes to the team that, that played at the weekend. Yeah. So he also is, is tinkering with the, you know, with the squad to try and have one eye on the championship still because there's lots of games coming up. And they turned Newcastle over. And incidentally, deserved every bit of it. Deserved every bit of it. And I think Brucey will be really angry this morning. I mean, really, really angry. I think everybody thought this was the opportunity. And we speak about Newcastle being this sleeping giant and looking for some kind of cup success because they're not going to win the league. That was an opportunity for a semi-final. And Brentford 
dumped him out of it. And they were absolutely fantastic. The boy Silva scores a great goal. He even had Ivan Tony on the bench. Comes on. For all the changes he made for Newcastle, I can't remember Andy really making the goalkeeper make the save. And Ivan Tony's the one that almost makes it 2-0. I thought they were really good. I mean, huge amount of uh, um, uh, pressure on Brucey. But Brentford handled it really well. And the boy Thomas Frank has done a great job at Brentford. He really has. Yeah, so one-legged uh, semi-final, remember, everybody, because of the, the year that we're having. So Brentford into it, Man City into it. So obviously we've got Aston Villa well-represented here. We've got Arsenal well-represented, Celtic, of course, and Everton very well-represented. Right, Tony Cotty, 25 years since Everton won something, which is remarkable. What about Everton Man United tonight? I was just joking with you, wasn't I? Telling the story about how I was at the club for six years and when I left in '94, and then they won the cup in '95. So I think it was all down to me, to be honest. I left and they won the cup. But now, being serious, Mark, it, it's too long. It's too long for Everton. It's a massive football club. Martin will tell you this. It's a wonderful football club. Great fans, great history, and and they should be doing better. They've had a few near misses over the years. They've had a lot of struggles as well over the years, but. You do feel that Ancelotti's at last starting start to get things right. Um, it's, I think it's good that Richarlison's back in the team. He's made a massive difference. When he was out of the team, they, it wasn't the same team. But, you know, I'd like to think, and you never know, because as you said, it's the League Cup. You never know, and they'll be looking to the weekend, etc. But play your strongest team, please. That's all I ask for. Play your strongest team. And if they do that, they will give Manchester United a real game. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a fantastic match. But... They've got to play their top team. I think if they start to make a few changes, then it might not be good for them. But Everton need to get through to the semi-final to give themselves a real chance. I mean, funny, Tony, Richarlison's, dare I say it, almost more important than James Rodriguez at the moment, isn't he? I, yeah. know, I know James is injured, but actually with Richarlison's suspension after the Merseyside derby, then that really did coincide with Everton's dip. Yeah, but Richarlison's been, he's been learning his trade in the Premier League for the last two or three years, hasn't he? You know, Hamas has just arrived and, you know, he will take time. Yeah, there's been glimpses of magic from him, which we know he's, he's a top player. So, you know, we will see little glimpses. But Richarlison consistently, I think when he plays, he's a big part of Everton. And I've got to mention Calvert-Lewin as well. He's been outstanding this year. And the only thing that was missing from Dominic's game was scoring goals on a regular basis because everything else was there. He's got pace, he's got strength, he holds the ball up, he leads the line. Everything's there. He's now scoring goals and he looks the complete centre forward. So they've got a real chance this year, Everton. And they sort of had a little dip, as you said. And even in the league, they will fancy their chances of pushing on and maybe getting into those Champions League places, as will many other clubs that are up there at the moment. Alan, what do you see from Calvert-Lewin this season which you haven't seen before? He, he looks... He looks a yard sharper, he looks an inch taller, and he looks a couple of muscles stronger. He's just developing, he's maturing. You know, it's, it, it, it's not that the sums clicked, but as, as, a, as a young striker, you, you even feel yourself getting stronger. You feel you're getting self more confident. When he got one and then two and then three, when he was warming up, he was a different football player. You know, it was, it, I, was, I was looking, when you go and look at, you know, see a young horse and you see a horse two years later and you think, it's not the same horse. Yeah. I'm not looking at the same player I watched a year and a half ago. The boy is matured and strengthened and he's playing in a team that get the ball in the box. And I think that's why TC's right about, sorry, you said about Richarlison being, I think, more important because he gets the ball in the box and, uh, and he knows that if he's in there, he'll have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. He's such a confident and more 
powerful young man now that's just causing defences problems that he didn't do, he wasn't able to do before. His demeanour has changed, Alan, hasn't it? He, yeah, for sure, absolutely. And he knows now, instead of hoping, he's going to score. Whereas I always felt, you know, he wasn't really that great in front of goal. He, he didn't, he wasn't polished. Now he's a real predator. And everything's in that six-yard box. And that's the manager. Again, I talk about good direction, good leadership. You know, he's running in the channels. We know what a great athlete he is, but the manager wants him to concentrate between those two sticks. I don't want you too far away. And they keep feeding him. But Richardson, for me, is that he could be the jewel in the crown. I think there's more there under the bonnet. And it's about teasing that out. I do really feel he's a top-class player, but I think Godfrey coming in and Holgate have done a good job recently, Tony, coming into that Everson defence. They're really aggressive. I like Godfrey because he's aggressive and we don't see enough aggressive defenders anymore. It seems to be slipped away. What Martin is saying, chaps, is he likes the fact they're playing four centre-backs in defence. Yeah. That's actually yeah. what Martin is saying. <laughs> Mark, Mark, I didn't want to actually genuinely say to the Everton fans that he is an inch taller, but I think he actually is. But yeah. Martin, could you imagine if TC was a foot and a half taller? Yeah. <laughs> I knew yeah. that. I knew I was coming into the conversation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Martin, oh, I love you, TC. The great thing about tonight's game is that you could tell me that it'll be 3 1 to one team, 3 1 to the other, 4 all, and I would believe any of those scorelines because Man United, you have no idea what's going to happen. And Everton have got better and better in the last few weeks. Obviously, they've beaten Chelsea, Leicester, and Arsenal in succession. So it's such a wonderful game tonight because literally oh, yeah. it could be any scoreline, couldn't it? Manchester United are like a runaway train, yeah. aren't they? It, yeah. They seem to have to go behind in games. Six games on the bounce away from home, they've done that. And it's like they're not motivated until they get a slap in the face. And they come out firing. Although against Leeds, it was McTominay was absolutely <laughs> magnificent the way that he sort of feathers that finish. You know, he's got real quality. You're seeing it now. Great news for, for Alan in the, in the summer with Scotland because they need somebody in that, although they played him in defence, they need yeah. him in midfield now. And he's growing as an individual. Um, Solskjaer was under pressure just a few months ago um, and now he's really turned it around. Uh, they really, I feel that they, they've got a big say who's going to win the... Uh, the Premier League this season, the form that they're in. So they'll want to win this one. He wants to keep that momentum going. Um, obviously, it would have hurt to the core getting out of the Champions League. And that seems to have inspired them recently to do better in the Premier League. Um, and then the last game tonight, Tony, is Stoke against Tottenham, which probably two weeks ago, you'd have gone, oh, well, Tottenham have definitely found their, their rhythm. They've had a bit of a stutter. Stoke don't concede many and they're pretty good at home. So this is another one. I don't know. Do we call this 50-50 or would you still lean towards Tottenham. You know, Matt, Jose loves the League Cup. Fair dues has always played a strong team. Look back at his, he's won it with Chelsea, won it with Man United. So we'd imagine he'll play a strong team because Tottenham are desperate for a trophy. I would say Spurs slightly favourites purely because of the Mourinho factor. I mean, I was, I was at the, the Tottenham-Leicester game at the weekend and Tottenham were, were awful. They really were. For a home team, um, Martin mentioned about the, the, the fans not being there. If the fans were there at Spurs at the moment, they would be going mad because the style of football is not what they've been used to. You know, for a team with so much talent to just sit back and defend, try and hit Leicester on the counter-attack as a home team, it was, it was, it was incredible to watch. And Leicester deservedly won that game. But, I, you know, going back to tonight's game, I saw Stoke early in the season. They've got some good players. There's no doubt about that. They're, they're up there pushing for, for promotion, you know, the playoffs in that championship. So it's a tough place to go to, um, but I expect Tottenham to go up there, grind it out, and I fully expect a 1-0 win with Harry Kane scoring, and that will be it through to the semi-finals. 
let's finish with this one on on Gareth Bale, Alan. I can't remember what season it was, but I remember being at Stoke, and it was the se- I can't remember what year it was. It was the season that Bale came alive, and he scored a volley, and the press box was right behind where he hit it. Like blimey, incredible technique, and he hit it with power, arrowed in the top corner, and he was off and running. What do you think is going on with Bale at the moment? I thought he'd have played more often. I mean, he's certainly given them plenty of time to get ready, isn't he? Um, I thought when he came to Spurs, he would, I, I just thought he would have thrown him straight in because you've already just said about technique and his goals and what he brings to the squad when he's in the team. And he hasn't played as... I don't understand why he hasn't played as often. I genuinely don't. Because the, the big hoorah was like, we're getting Bale back. Now we're getting Bale back to sit on the bench. Well, I, think, I, think he's had a bit of, I think he's had a bit of an injury, but maybe that's part of the problem because he played relatively well, so little football under Zidane because he fell out with him. Maybe that's part of the problem, trying to get him well, it, up to speed the, in our game. It's the obvious problem. It's just me, what yeah. I wanted to see. Gareth is coming back. I'm like, come on, Gareth, play through how bad your injury is. Let's mm. see if you can do it. Now, it's obviously been a point where he's had to give him an opportunity to try and get some fitness, which he looks as always getting there. Um, I just uh, I think what TC's right about the game tonight specifically I wonder who'll make the most changes in the game will Ancelotti make the most changes or will Jose make the most changes and you said that he's got a proud uh, record in this competition and I probably think that um, as much as Everton and and you know the manager Mourinho want to win the competition I'm going to wait until I see the starting lineups whether I decide who I think is going to win the game or not yeah, absolutely. Oh, sorry, I was talking about. Sorry, I meant. I meant when I was talking about the Everton, you yes. know, when, um, against United. Yeah. In terms of that, as well as Spurs doing the same thing at Stoke. Yeah. And Stoke, incidentally, had a brilliant. I watched Blackburn the other day, and they were very good. And Stoke turned them over one 0 at the thing. So I don't suppose Michael O'Neill is going to make any changes. So be a good game tonight. Yeah, they're very good defensively, Stoke, aren't they? Really, yeah, absolutely really good defensively. Are. Let's finish up this part with a bit about Mo Salah, who's given an interview to the Spanish newspaper AS and said, I think Madrid and Barcelona are two top clubs. Who knows what will happen in the future? So, Martin, he's 28, two and a half years left on his deals. Even though Liverpool are clearly streets ahead of Real and Barca at the moment, we all want to play there, don't we? Maybe he's just thinking, "What I've done it all at Liverpool. Nice place to finish. Last big contract. Let's go to Spain. What do you think? Well, I think that's almost the standard answer, isn't it? That people out of respect say, well, you know, let's not rule anything out. Um, I don't think anybody at Liverpool is too concerned about that. I don't think they look concerned at the weekend putting seven goals past Crystal Palace. We saw him come off the bench. Um, they are now really purring, aren't they? Liverpool moving into gear. So, no, I think Jurgen Klopp, again... Proper leadership, you know, maybe sat him on the bench to think about things for a little while, but brought him back because he needs it. And they'll just keep moving forward. And Liverpool will keep the players there because they're going to win trophies. And, you know, you're looking at uh, Champions League and things ahead. That will keep the players together. That will bond them together. He's playing for the best team. So why does he really want to go to Real Madrid Barcelona? But they're glamour clubs. And every player would be lying if they said he didn't really fancy a couple of years with all that, you know, with the sunshine in Spain. So let's let's see what happens. I suppose it just shows Tony and Adam, doesn't it? Tony, start with you. However poor by their standards those two are, the pull of the cachet is still massive. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic clubs, Mark. We know that. You know, they're, they're, they're not the, the two giants that they was, say, 10 years ago, but they're still like, but you mentioned, just say Barcelona, Real Madrid. And yeah, every player wants to play for Barcelona and Real Madrid. I think with Salah, I think it's just a question of timing. 
Um, you mentioned about two and a half years left on his contract. In other words, he gets into that into the new year. His agent will be banging the door down, talking about a new contract. If he had five years left on his contract, I'm pretty certain he would have said, yeah, great clubs, but I've just signed a five-year deal. Yeah. But where he's got his contract coming up, he's saying Barcelona, yeah, I'd be interested in that. Just to, uh, you know, up your, your money. It's just a negotiation thing, yeah. isn't it? I think, you know, what, why on earth? You've already said, why on earth would you leave Liverpool at the moment? They're a fantastic club, doing well. I hate to say this, obviously, if you have a Nevertonian, but they're doing brilliant at the moment. Why would you leave Liverpool to go to Barcelona or Real Madrid? You wouldn't. So that he'll get a new contract off the back of it in the new year. What I don't understand, Alan, I'm being serious. You, you proudly played for Bayern Munich with great distinction. Everyone always goes Madrid and Barcelona. Bayern Munich are the European champions. Why do they mm. never go Madrid, Barcelona or Bayern Munich? Is it that damn cold? <laughs> well, it is right, it is right yeah. now. I'll, I'll never forget, I'll never forget, uh, we were training, I think it might have been the, the Thursday morning, and somebody said, be careful coming into training tomorrow, there'll be snow tomorrow. No, I looked out at night and I was like that. No, it's, just, it's lovely. I woke up in the morning and there was about six feet of snow and I was like, the hell? By the way, I know the Germans are good and they get it right all the time, but they're even yeah. good with their weather forecast. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like that. Listen, Bayern are a huge club. I mean, obviously they are, but I suppose it's uh, it's nice in the summer, Munich, to be fair, but there's more sunshine in Madrid and, and Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just something we hear from players, you know, um, or agents coming out and saying they're doing this and that. The question I was going to ask the lads genuinely is, if Barca, let's just say the two clubs, Barca and Real Madrid, if they came in and said, here's $100 million for Salah, do you think Klopp would say, see you later, thanks very much? Well, he did it with Coutinho, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, that went horribly wrong for Coutinho. In fact, you can get him now for $25 million. <laughs> Arsenal, <laughs> Arsenal might be in for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We'll be taking him, I'm sure. But no, it's... Um, it's a very yeah. good question because yeah, William, they, got Van du- they got Van Dyke and Allison for Coutinho, didn't they? They effectively, yeah, exactly. they, they, they could argue they built their championship winning side on the sale of Coutinho. And Martin, you just said about, I'm sitting on the bench maybe thinking about it. TC, what do you think? Do you think you take, I mean, I, I use 100 million just because yeah. as though it's a, a bag of crisps or something. It's still a lot of money, but I'm just thinking now, they won the Champions League, they won the league. It'll be part of presumably, maybe a league winning team this year. And he might just give it, thanks very much. We'll take yeah. the money for you and, and go to Spain if you want. Money talks, Macca, doesn't it? So you, know, you can never say never. You know, whether 100 million would be enough for Salah at the moment. He's a top player, isn't he? I don't know. I mean, they've got Jota's coming to the club, done really well. I know he's injured at the moment, but, you know, he, potential replacement, maybe. I, I, I don't know. But, you know, with all what's gone on with, with the pandemic and the, you know, there must be a real dent in the Liverpool funds as well. So I don't know. They might go 100 million. Yeah, we'll have some of that and we'll stick with the players we've got. I don't know. I don't think they will, but they, that's potentially. But all I will say, Mac, it's unlike you to ask a good question. <laughs> and, and by the way, you're right. It's, it's, it's normally all about money, but I'm working with you three and it's definitely not all about money. <laughs> Brilliant. Let's look ahead to Boxing Day. Brilliant set of fixtures as always. Martin, we've talked about from the Arsenal point of view, the London derby. What about from the Chelsea point of view? The pressure was on ahead of that game against West Ham and 3-0 probably flatters them. Don't matter if you're a Chelsea fan. You won the game 3-0. How do you look at that one at the Emirates uh, Boxing Day tea time? Well, again, massive. Chelsea, uh, they'd lost a couple, hadn't they, before that West Ham game and uh, Frank Lampard doing an, uh, an outstanding job, such a young manager. What a contrast with Arteta. You know, when they met each other in the FA Cup uh, final last year, you'd have thought maybe Chelsea were going to win that. They didn't. And ever since, it's been a bit of a disaster. So, 
Changing things have changed big time, and it's up to Arsenal to get something from that game. Giroud now going back to, to his old team. Is he going to be the player that scores the ultimate goals that could sink the team and sink the manager? So huge pressure going into that. Chelsea, huge favourites. The quality that they've got at their disposal, the way that he's put that team together, almost like a jigsaw puzzle. Um, they look they look really solid in all compartments. Um, so they're the favourites going into that mark, clearly. But Alan, with much more to come, I take Martin's point, but so much mm. more to come because Havertz has had COVID, so he hasn't really got going. Mm. Ziyech has been injured, hasn't he? Pulisic coming back from injury. Werner still adjusting. So they've done well, but wow, the potential is huge, isn't it, at Chelsea to do even yeah. to do a lot better than we've seen. Yeah, well, let's start with the Havertz one. I've watched him loads of times with Leverkusen. He hasn't even begun. He hasn't even begun yet, genuinely. He's got okay. tons more. That good. Sorry to interrupt. Do you think he's that I, the initial things I've seen? I am not sure at the moment for how much money they paid, but no, he's he's good TC, but I think he I think he still looks he still looks not strong enough for me yet. Still, I think he has genuinely adjusted. But he's a good player. And him and Havertz, uh, him and uh, um, Werner will be fine. Werner's normally scores goals by for fun and he just seems to have his the left on the right and the right on the left at the moment a little bit but you're right potentially with some of the players they've got it, uh, you know and I think Martin's kind of spot on there when he said it's been like a jigsaw puzzle and they went okay what do we genuinely need we're, we're missing here we're missing here we're missing here we'll still get Abraham we've got the likes of Gilmore and let's bring in massive experience at the back and, and Thiago and you're like okay let, 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 let's potter around with that we'll make a huge decision on the goalkeeper and then we'll go for it and we'll try and not... I mean, what have they spent? 100, 200 million? 200 yeah. million? Yeah, over over 200 like million, yeah. yeah. So you can't spend 200 million and then not expect results and not expect to be at the end of the table that they are. It'll be a good game, by the way. And I think, you know, Arsenal have got a... You know, they, they might still have a say in it, but I think Chelsea going into the game is favourites, to be honest. Yeah, I feel that way. Tony, what about one of your old clubs, Leicester, Manchester United? Leicester, mm. well, my only reservation from Leicester's point of view is that they're at home. Because <laughs> away they're yeah. brilliant, but at home yeah. they've been a- they've been average. Yeah, I mean they've lost. I think it's three home games, is it? Yeah. Maybe four even. But they're, they're, Mark, they've not drawn a game in the Premier League this year, which is incredible. Like you know, they they're either losing or they're winning away from home. As I said, I was at the Spurs game. They've been sensational away from home. They really have. I think at home the onus is obviously a lot more on them to attack and everything, and it doesn't always suit Leicester. But you know, for me. I think with Leicester, you pretty much know what you're going to get. It, they're a team. You, you look at that team and you look at the Vardys, the Albrighton, the Barnes. You, you know what you're really going to get with them. I look at Manchester United. I, I've got no idea what Man United team's going to turn up. You know, I've seen them play, you know, like first half of Southampton and then the second half and you know, other games as well. You saw them play against Leeds. That was, that was fantastic against Leeds. You, to, for me, it all depends on which Manchester United team turn up. But the one thing I would say is Leicester are doing really, really well at the moment. Not too many people are talking about them. I know Liverpool have just kicked on a little bit and gone a few points clear. But if they come back towards the pack, then, you know, Leicester have got a good chance this year. They've got some good players. They've still got Soyuncu. They've got Ricardo to come back, two of their top defenders. You know, they're not going to be far away, certainly in terms of the Champions League places. To win the league, is that would be a miracle again to do that. But Champions League, Leicester are banging there and they've got a real good chance. I think, Tony, last year, just looking at Leicester, and I've become a bit of a statistician since I left Villa, Maka. You look like one, Martin, today as well with your glasses on. Leicester were in the top four for 352 days of last year. Okay, pandemic included. Unbelievable. 
and yeah. they let they let it slip. Yeah. So that was a huge Manchester United in the last game, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, huge disappointment to Brendan because he sees yeah. himself as a category A manager, and he's starting to do it again now. They lost to Fulham, and they brought Ndidi back in, and they brought Madison. I think Madison's the jewel in the crown for them. He's yeah. really creative, and that loss made him think, okay, I'm going to play a four now for Farmer at the back. And you look, Evans can play with anyone because he's a top quality, mature central defender. Yeah, now absolutely. the compartments are really working well. And this is what the, this is the game for massive game over Boxing Day for me, this one. Tactically, how that's going to work. Because mm. they, they'll sit, they can sit and soak up pressure as they did against Man City, Tony and Leicester won away there. And the, their away form is, but it's been quite outstanding, Leicester. So he can play any way he wants, Brendan. But if he lets those players off the leash, he can really compete. I don't think he should sit deep. I think he should try and take Manchester United on, start the game really well. But that will be an absolute cracker. Difficult to call that. Um, and Alan, if you look at the bench that Man United had against Leeds, <clears throat> as somebody wrote in, I think it was the Times, it's arguably the strongest bench in Europe. They had Mata, <laughs> Matic, Pogba, Greenwood, I think Van der Beek. But anyway, you look at it and you think, if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer could get a tune out of them regularly with that bench, with the concertina season we have, with games every three days, mm. frankly, they should be challenging for the title. We shouldn't be talking about top four. We should be talking about a serious title challenge. Yeah, and then they've put themselves in a position over the last couple of uh, uh, games that they are in the title chart. I don't have, incidentally, just to throw it in, I don't have less than the top four. I think I went Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Man U, and I expect Man U to be in the top four. Challenging for the title? I mean, I can't this. I can't argue, Mark, with your analogy about the bench, if you can get a tune out of them. I just think there's like one, two, three different fractions in the dressing room at Manchester United. There's a couple of times where they're all pulling in the right direction and then it's chaos. I think he's got some big decisions to make, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. This is a huge football team. Huge. Not being in the Champions League for Manchester United, failing that test was huge. The Pogba situation continues. The, the, the buying of players, the recruitment is still a problem, I think, for Manchester United about how much they'll pay for someone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants. Manchester United are still a humongous football club and the players they've got at the team, they should really be challenging for the title. And that's what their fans expect. Do you think you'd take a prize for Pogba in January, Tony? Yeah, all day long. Even uh, if it's, th- let's say it's even, let's say, listen, pandemic world we live in. Even if it's 35, 40 million, it's half what you paid for him. Did you just get him uh, off the books? It depends how damaging he is in that dressing room, Mark. You know, I think you, know, you still should be able to get 50 million for him, 60 million maybe. But listen, he infuriates me, Pogba, not because he's not a good player, because we've seen at times he's, he's unplayable at times. When he's on his game, he's a fantastic player, but... You just don't get the consistency. And I think, you know, if, you, if you're a top player and you want to be in that midfield at Manchester United and you want to play week in, week out, you've got to be consistent. You can't just play a couple of great games and then say, oh, I don't really fancy it for three or four games. You, you can't do that. You've got to be on it all the time. Like all the top Manchester United players over the years have done. And, you know, he's got to earn that right, his place in that team. That's what I think. Like I say, he does, he infuriates me because there is a player there. But if he's, if he's poisoned in the dressing room, Get him out. Get McTominay in there as a regular, and then look at who plays alongside McTominay. Yeah, you got. McTominay I don't know. John, I, it's, it's interesting. I was speaking to Paul Scholes recently, and they they think he's a brilliant guy in the dressing room, 
Uh, he played in the youth team setup, as you remember. Then, of course, he left. He came back. So he understands that his. Well, is it the manager then, Mark? Would it be the? Is, is it the manager then? Is it Ollie? You know, because if, well, if, I think, if I think so good, then it could be the manager, couldn't it? I, I think we're talking Mac was saying about the jigsaw puzzle at Chelsea. It's a little bit like that at Manchester United, but I, I think it would weaken the group if Pogba were allowed to leave. I think I would want that resource at the club as long as it's pulling in the right direction and we can muzzle his agent. Let's let's actually have him in the dressing room. You've still got Van der Beek there. You've got Greenwood now starting to turn up, Rashford maturing. Um, you know, there's so many options and he needs them. He needs those. Is it Tellus? Is it Shaw? Left back? You know, Wan-Bissaka now is actually playing some football and getting forward. We know what a great defender he is. So he's developing everyone nicely and I'd want to keep it together. I don't think it's the case of January. They're really in the hunt because Liverpool away form has not been fantastic. We've seen some really crazy... They lost 7-2 to to Aston Villa and then beat Palace 7-0 themselves so I've never seen a Premier League so topsy-turvy it's absolutely unbelievable and they're all searching for consistency and if you're in a team that's winning you don't know if it's going to continue you really don't so I think Manchester United keep it together keep building and it might just take them to win it but Liverpool look favourites now because they're winning Martin if you had been the manager of Manchester United and Pogba had gone to France and he's and said what he said and his agent said what he said, which basically is, I don't want to be at Manchester United. When he came back in, you'd have grabbed him, you'd have thrown him against the wall and said, listen, son, this is your last time. The last time. That's it. Yeah. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has genuinely... And by the way, I was the problem is he's such a wonderful football player. I mean, he's different class. But when he starts that, and Solskjaer should have made the decision not to play him against Leicester... And he bags a goal. You just think something has to give here. Something's not right. It's just genuinely not right. Hang on, Paul Lambert's trying to get me. He's got yeah. COVID. I don't want to speak to him. <laughs> yeah. oh, Backslapping again, Mac. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. My phone's like a hoose. Who. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's such a one unbelievable football player. But at times, I think Tony's right. You're like, just play football and be brilliant. Yeah. Just play, play football and be brilliant. Anyway, listen, he's a Man United player. You never know, he just might shoot them to the title. It's, it, Macker, it's times like this that you wonder, Sir Alex Ferguson, how we would have dealt with it? Oh, someone, would have to, someone was making an apology, weren't they? A public listen, apology to the, to the rest yeah, of his colleagues. No. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, maybe Sir Alex was right the first time. After all, he already was yeah. at Manchester before and Sir Alex said, it's not for me. If I were a, a Wales bookmaker at Ascot and you came up and wanted to bet, Alan, would I be saying to you, you're all betting for second now? We're betting without Liverpool. Uh, me, the bookmaker, I've given the title to Liverpool. You're all betting who's coming second. Uh, yeah, I think you are. I think you are. Um, I know it's still a long way to go and there's lots of games and lots of you know changes and stuff, but Liverpool right now look as though they're title. They are. They're, they're playing like champions, basically, and they look as whoever they play, they'll turn them over. It's kind of as simple as that. In fact, I was looking at the fixtures. I wrote them all out. So they play, or oh, they're home to West Brom. Oh, yeah. boy, big Sam. All the yeah. best there. Who was the last, you know, the last manager to win a league game at Anfield was? Sam Allardyce. Was, well, was it with he was Crystal, Crystal, Crystal Palace? Crystal Palace. <laughs> Martin, Martin with his glasses on you, Dan. Yeah, that's the stat, man. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that's a stats. Yeah, there it is. And Tony, you know this is a goal scorer. And Firmino is yeah. much more than a goal scorer. But you know what? About a month ago, we're going... Jota's so good. Firmino, what's going on? Then Firmino gets his header against Liverpool, against uh, Tottenham for Liverpool the other day. And then the two goals he scores at Palace, particularly the first goal, that first touch, and then sort of nonchalantly with the outside of his boot, brushes it into the corner. 
my question to you is, you know, as a goal scorer, when you get that first goal, suddenly you feel like a different player when you've had a bit of a rough patch. Yeah, it's all about confidence. And, uh, you know, if you, it's horrible as a goal scorer. You know, listen, I, w- I was more an out-and-out goal, so I wasn't the all-round player that Firmino mm. was. He's a fantastic player. I, I was a pure goal scorer, and I just got upset, frustrated, angry. And I, there would be long spells where I wasn't contributing at all. But then when you then get your goal, the goal comes out of nowhere, and then you, the confidence comes back in. And, you know, football is all about confidence, not just for forwards, but for defenders, midfielders, goalkeepers. It's a huge part of the game. And, you know, for, for me, you know, to get that, I think, you, you know, we're looking at the, the all-round footballers back now because, you know, he has been struggling for goals at, at, at times at Liverpool. But, you know, he's a top player and you, you can't see beyond Liverpool. Maka didn't answer your question, Mark, but I will. If, you, if you're looking for value for some second... I know there's other teams, but for value, I would look at Leicester. I honestly mm. believe that Leicester are going to give everyone a real run for their money to get into the Champions League place. I'm not mm. saying they'll win it, but Champions League, I think they could finish second. I, I, I'll tell you something, Martin. I think we've just made more Christmas money taking money off the wee man. I'll call you after. And I'll, I'll have the lay you. I'll lay I, you. Um, I'll this is, I don't think you can write. You know, I remember in 98, okay, the year that we won it, Arsenal. Manchester United, the, the bookies were paying out at Christmas because they were 12 points clear. So you can't, you can't ever, you know, and you see Liverpool, they could dip. When you start to think it's easy, it's yours. So no, no, this is going to, I think it will go to the wire. I'm not sure, sure there's consistencies there with Liverpool. Uh, you saw how they performed at Fulham uh, with Jürgen Klopp going berserk. So they're human and they haven't got Van Dijk. So they give everybody else a chance to make this a, more than a, a one-horse race shall we say. They're not going to run away with it by any means. Just going back to these two as strikers, Tony Cotty was one of them that almost wrote down his goals in training. It was on, he, he, you could see him buzzing when he scored in training, you know, little tappings. And Macker was only happy unless he ran the length of the pitch. Because <laughs> <laughs> he could score goals like that, run the length of the pitch, smash one in. Yeah, there yeah, was right, a couple, Matt. kid. There was a couple. There was a couple, mate, yeah. Well, you know that, Martin. You play with Tony, you play with Ian Wright. You know what they're like when it's not going in. Let, let's finish with what happens when you get promoted to the first team? So uh, back to where we started with Arsenal. They have promoted the Romanian Catalan Kijan, I think. He's 18, to the first team squad. Mikel Arteta has said that. Now, I know in your day, making you sound like old men now, it was probably a bit different. But just give us a sense, Martin, of what that moment is like. You probably got promoted a, you know, almost the sort of same time as Tony Adams a bit, I guess, didn't you? What it's like when you were promoted to the first team squad. Well, I, I think it's good that there's lots of youngsters that are do, do, making that journey. When I look back to those years, um, you, they, you, we used to change in the, in the reserve team dressing room. And then when they'd come and get you and say, right, you're changing in there now, fella. You knew you'd made that step. And I was fortunate to arrive with a, a group of it, uh, what were to become international players. So the likes of Quinny and Merson, they all moved up the same day as me. Um, Rowcastle and Tony Adams we're all in that same youth team. So there was a collection of us and we were very proud to sit there, but it's that first game in, that you need, but they're all steps you need to make. You train with the guys, you start to believe you belong there and then ultimately you get into, into the first team. So that would be a big day today for that. Now, it's, it's commonplace within a club, obviously, yes, to name 25 professionals at the start of the season, but you can bring the kids in and he's desperate for someone. And I understand he plays off the front. He's a creative player and that's what Arsenal are really lacking if you think back, we used to have an abundance of these guys. Gazola was one of them, Ramsey another. Ozil, of course, he's not part of the story anymore. 
But that's a player that's really missing for Arsenal. And that's where the manager recently started to play with a, a withdrawn striker uh, in Lacazette, who's not really that person. So I can understand why he wants this kid in. But even that is, you know, it's a big call. He's not, he's not going to be someone who's going to be able to come in immediately, but he must be a good talent. And um, it's the important thing is it's great for the academy to get youngsters coming through the club. Alan, what's your memories of, you know, the knock on the door, right? Alan, you're with the big boys now. Uh, I was part-time at Air United and I too wasn't allowed in the home... By the way, I wasn't even allowed in the home dressing room until all the senior players had gone and then we used to sweep up and clean it, etc, etc. And I got a job at British Aerospace and I was an aircraft engineer, which everything probably ended up in the, just over by Aaron because of my jobs weren't that good. And uh, the, my manager came to me and said, uh, there's been a phone call from Air United, you need to go. Uh, and we were playing Dundee in the quarter-final of the League Cup. So I left. Uh, I was basically called up to the first-team squad. Um, uh, I drove home in my old Cortina. Got home, had something to eat, straight to Somerset Park, onto the bus. I sat from air to Dundee and said three words. Hello, thanks, and wh whatever this was. I wasn't allowed to talk. I remember somebody saying to me, are you making a noise? And I was like, no, I never said, I never said a word. I never said a word. I was there, I was there, I didn't get in the team, I didn't even go on the bench. He sat me in the back of the stand, watched the game. I think we got beat 2-1, and I never said a single word all the way down to back down to air. And that was my first introduction to the first team. And it's still the best moment of my football life. You haven't stopped talking since. <laughs> <laughs> it was unbelievable. But basically, it was the manager was like, right, okay, he's been so good, he's done really well, he's had a couple of summy chances. Okay, we're going to take him with us in a way game that means something to the football yeah. club. And then it was only maybe a month or six weeks after that I was uh, changing in the first team dressing room and uh, playing in the first team when I was only 18 years old. But the, those days are just, ah, just immense when you look back. Just such, such a game changer for, for a young guy. Yeah, you think this is my opportunity or it's coming, my opportunity. Tony, what about you at, uh, at West Ham? Yeah, similar to the boys, really, Mark. I mean, I, I was a, a boot boy for Frank Lampard, the apprentice, uh, Frank Lampard Senior, that is, I might add, you know. So I used to just clean these boots and then I, I got my chance in, in the January. I made my debut. I scored on my debut. I scored in my second game. Um, I was still only 17. and then, But I, I stayed in the reserve dressing room. All my friends were in there, really. And like, you played with the first team, but all my mates were in the reserves and the youth team. So I stayed there for the rest of the season and the start of the following season. They went, well, you can't stay in there now because you're going to be in the first team. And then I went into to the other dressing room. But it's a daunting place. You know, we, we got all them senior pros. And I had the likes of, you know, Frank Lampard Sr., Trevor Brookin, Billy Bonds, Phil Parks, massive names and experienced wow. players. And you're a 17, 18-year-old going into the dressing room. So and these are your it, heroes as well, Tony, as a West Ham fan, let alone a West yeah. Ham young player. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you would have grown up watching Billy Bonds lifting the FA Cup and then, then suddenly you're next to him. Yeah, I just mentioned that 1980, West Ham won Arsenal. Now, I just mentioned that for you, Mark. Yeah, um, yeah two years previous, I'd been a fan. And then all of a sudden, you, you're in the dressing room and, and, and all of a sudden, you're playing with these guys. And it, it, it was, you know, fantastic days, wonderful experience and that. And, the, you know, you wouldn't swap it for the world. But it was it was really hard for a young player, I think, in those days to go. You wouldn't even step foot into the dressing room because you would get absolutely slaughtered and told to mind your own business. Not I by Trevor Brooking. Surely not by Sir Trevor. Very politely by Sir Trevor. <laughs> <laughs>
Actually, imagine, Martin, okay, listen, can you, so, sorry, Martin, can you imagine a driving to the game right now with a set of headphones on? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, to be a young player now. Yeah. Put, yeah. That, put, the, put my Bentley at the back of the car park. I'll get it after the game when I don't Bring play. Yeah. Uh, well, I remember Tony coming through, actually, as a young player. and Because uh, he was well known, this young lad scoring lots of goals, West Ham, South East Counties. Michael, we, we had this, it was really tough league, was it, Tony? To come yeah. through as a kid. The speed it was introduced to play was ridiculous and he was scoring goals for fun. So we were all dragged. Watch this young striker, his movement, he's making runs. And I don't think you disappointed that day. I think he might have even notched. But very quickly then, he was in, yeah. in the first team. And I think it was a message. Look what you can do if you, if you start well and you do well enough, you can make it into the first team. Well, mm. we're all of such an age that something popped up on Twitter the other day saying Martin Keown's debut for Arsenal in 1985. And I looked at it and I went, I went to that match. <laughs> nil, nil nil at West Brom. Do you remember it, Martin? I do. Charlie it, Nicholas father, hit the post. It, it was the most god-awful game of football. It was my father's 50th birthday and somehow fell on that day. So that's, having lost him now, that was, you know, a great memory. And I remember actually... Uh, going forward, didn't do that very often. And I hit this, I hit one with my left foot and it was sailing into the top corner. I've got a little clip on it, so it did actually happen. It does say newspaper. <laughs> and somehow the keeper tipped it over and it ended up as a nil-nil uh, uneventful match. But if I'd have scored that day, things could have been different. I could have been Mark, a striker. <laughs> Mark, the thing was, the thing was, you was 32 at the time. <laughs> and by the way I can remember one game I think we were at Middlesbrough and Martin went past me and I thought Oi where are you going get back yeah. if you're a defender I'm the striker get yeah. back if there's anything going to get a goal it's going to be me it's not going to be you yeah. we, we, we were together we were together myself and Macro Aston Villa and I have to say that that has to be the toughest strongest most physical team that I've ever played in Macro you yeah, there was me there was hang on yourself and Alan Evans and Platty and Big Gary Thompson and Andy Gray and uh, Kevin Gage and Big Spicy and Oof. oh man yeah, yeah physically a big team yeah we were we were yeah we, we went to get it was a good it was a good dressing room yeah it was a good dressing room as well though Martin was it? it was a good dressing room yeah yeah with the good with the lovely Graham Taylor in charge gents thank you that's been illuminating and a lot of fun as sports should be happy Christmas to you all thank Cheers. you for your time Merry we'll Christmas. see you again soon thank you guys. And that's it from Game On. We'll be back next week and every week via Spotify, Apple and Google. Don't forget to sign up to your daily briefing from mailplus.co.uk. That's it from me, Mark Pugach. See you next week for more Game On.